0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with acclaimed jazz composer and arranger Drew Zaremba. We got into his new 2023 CD reunion and his life in music, drawing eclectic influence from icons of big band... Heroes of classical music and the luminaries of British rock, he combines and concocts and creates with a refreshing originality and the wildest of never-before-imagined manners. He enjoys a worldwide reputation as an award-winning writer, a passionate conductor, and fiery performer. From his base in Colorado, we caught up with him. He's got quite a story. Enjoy. What's up, Drew?
1: Hey, not much. Just uh, just running and getting a little coffee. (laughs) There you go.
0: You got to get the fuel. I dig it nice to meet you
1: likewise thanks for reaching out for the for this i really appreciate it yeah absolutely where are you coming out of i live in Greeley, colorado which is about an hour north of denver
0: okay yeah i uh i went up to castle rock this summer took a little john up there yeah
1: yeah that's that's not too far well two hour two hour drive south or so lovely lovely place
0: yeah, I'm landlocked here in Kansas City, so there's nothing to look at. I mean, the the best thing, I guess, because it's Thursday night is we got my homes. So um There you I, go. I, there you go. I, I feel sorry for you guys with having to deal with Russell Wilson and all of that. That is the most bizarre thing in sports. It really is, man. Like who <laughs> who would have ever looked the year in and said, this guy literally can't chew gum and walk? Like I like how did it happen?
1: man it's it's one of life's great mysteries uh
0: <laughs> i guess it's like the dodgers not making the playoffs like just like what just
1: you don't who knew right exactly exactly and i'm am like, I'm, I'm from southern california i'm a diehard angels fan and i and i'm still like come on dodgers what are you doing
0: over there <laughs> like i i can't figure it out and how much fun would that be to see otani and trout and all those guys in a series man that's that's what I've
1: been hoping for for many years now. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and they won in, what was it, t- 2002, their first title. And I was like, man, this is awesome. You know, I And I've stayed with them ever since. I haven't abandoned them. So what can I say?
0: Well, I'll tell you what, in 14, when the Royals matched up with them, they were the top team. And we, we they thought we were going to come in because we had that miraculous wildcard game. And we were just yeah. going to get swept. But those guys just ate Superman pills. And that was it. It was that game, game yeah. over lights out, man. <laughs> <laughs> so well cool well we got we got some good things established here and i want to begin everything before we get into reunion with how did you survive as a musician through the whole pandemic period and how did it change you wow well the change is, is very
1: apparent i was incredibly fortunate during the pandemic to have my gig at the university so this is my sixth year at the University of Northern Colorado teaching jazz composition, and um, uh, that's how I survived. Um, B and I was incredibly, incredibly fortunate because I had friends on both coasts. I went to school in Texas and and have a uh, North Texas to have a lot of friends there. And and man, yeah, it was it was a rough time. Uh, I was very fortunate to have my gig, and so. That's how I survived. But it changed me. It actually was the the seed for this album because I just stopped. For, I've always considered myself more of a commercial arranger than like a creative type, which is a bit of an oxymoron, someone might say, because you have to be creative to do anything right. But either way, that's just how I saw myself. And the pandemic helped me see like, no, I have a I have a voice. I have I have I have something I can offer the world and and it's okay that it's not this dark brookmyre and modern jazz thing. I'm I'm a I'm a happy guy generally and my music is joyful. Yeah. And so the pandemic helped me embrace that and give clarity to my voice and my vision and uh and so it and it gave me the confidence to say, "No, you know what? It's time to put out an album of music that's Joyful, happy, and uh, uh, explores a lot of different sides of that, and uh, and brings our community back together after this
0: pandemic. Hence, why it's called reunion. You know, it's interesting because you know Miles Davis's big quote was, "It took him years and years to find his voice," and you know it, it can be confusing to a lot of people because if you're playing an instrument, you have a voice, but it's deeper than that. I think maybe the pandemic accelerated that because I know here in Kansas City there was one long-standing Hammond B three player. That literally was lost and and didn't know it, like really had to make an album to just kind of confirm that he is a musician, mm-hmm. and it, I mean it, it's like Michael Jordan saying I had to pick up a basketball to confirm that I'm a player, and it's like are you kidding me? You're a you're you're a legendary guy. That's you know, but you we all have egos, we all have these senses of self. So it sounds like you found your purpose and followed you probably more tightly than you thought you would. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> incredibly grateful for it and
1: uh you know, yeah, this is just the the first one of the first steps for me. Um so I'm I'm yeah, I'm I'm really proud of the project and and uh
0: and grateful for what I had during the pandemic to be able to reflect on that and everything. So. so ultimately, at the end of the day, the idea of making an album is that you're going to have people and ears and 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 those that are going to be moved by it. What are you ultimately hoping the listener gets from Reunion? Oh man, uh, uh, joy, joy. Um, <laughs>
1: there's uh and joy is a is a big word. It doesn't mean happy to me. It's it's a sense of deep satisfaction, um, and it, that might mean and it, sometimes it means humor. And sometimes it means joy amidst pain, and sometimes it means just ecstatic, and uh, and so that's that's uh, that. But to me, that's that's the overall, because because reunion is a is a is a positive word. It's a yeah. joyful word. It is it is a coming back together, and that's what we did because it was this was a coming back together for students, faculty, uh, professionals, and old friends of mine from North Texas days. Um, coming back together, uh, making some music. Um, and even my old mentor, uh, John Clayton, who came in and produced the session. Uh, so it was a reunion on, on multiple levels. And so th- that's what I hope the listener gets is joy and uh, a smile on their face, uh, after, after hearing this. So
0: And it's weird to even talk now, because I remember I did so many interviews over the pandemic where we didn't know when it was going to end. And if it did end, it undulated into some new variant. So the fact that we're even right now (laughs) talking about all of these things happening. Yeah. I mean, it's it's wild, isn't it? I mean, it all seems like a dream that just kind of melted together in some Dolly thing, you know?
1: Yeah, right, right. No, it's it. It was it
0: was so strange. (laughs) So, so damn strange yeah it it certainly was so let me ask you this how did this journey into the music and more specifically jazz begin for you Where were you born and raised and how did it all start yeah yeah um,
1: i'm I was born in a Little Rock Arkansas but I was raised in Southern California um and didn't have a musical family but i but my parents reported uh reportedly said that i I told them when I was three that I wanted to learn every instrument in the world. And so I started on the piano and did classical piano uh, till I went from five to 18. And uh, uh, and then picked up saxophone, because I listened to smooth jazz in the back of my mom's car, living in Southern California. Um, moved to Belgium with the whole family when I was 12 and lived out there for six years. Continued studying music, knew I wanted to do this for a living. Uh, moved to North Texas with the goal of making the one o'clock lab band and then got the writing bug there big time. So I was primarily a saxophone player at the time and then said so like, oh my God, you can write for these guys, you know, and, and I wrote for all every band that I was in. And uh, and then I had I had the incredible Rich DeRosa teaching me down there who who works with Jazz at Lincoln Center and was the chief conductor of the WDR Big Band for several years. And anyways, I, I owe him so much. And that's where i also got connected with john clayton who i owe so much as well so between these two guys and then me following them and listening and everything they said and i wanted to be an and then i wanted to be an orchestral conductor so i started my unity orchestra freelanced for a while in texas and then uh was incredibly fortunate to get the gig up here at at this wonderful jazz program at unc northern colorado so um so that is that's my that's that's the short version
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure so how did all of these different levels of geography throughout your life play into you finding your foothold and your voice man what a that's a great question
1: um you know uh i consider myself very much a third culture kid you know having grown up in in california but then spent a lot of time in brussels learning french and uh developing an international identity here and then having that all blown to hell in texas (laughs) now i say y'all you know (laughs) i'm 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 a chameleon you know some people really hold on to their identity i i i don't really i i i like to adapt to where i am and and become localized you know and uh and i think maybe that that's part of who i am it's like as a I'm flexible. I'm a collaborator by nature. You know, I, I love leading and I and I love band leading. But uh, my favorite assignments are are when an artist comes to me and said, "Hey, what if blank," and and so I think it's I don't know if it's the actual geography themselves, uh, but just more of the flexibility of having to move around and being uh, adaptable has served me incredibly well as a musician. I've I've done some crazy projects like. Just to name, a, just to name my favorite couple. One is I lived in China for two months and studied Chinese opera and uh, combined Chinese opera with jazz. Uh, that was a crazy, crazy project. Yeah. Very recently, I did a I studied Hindustani music, North Indian music, for the last year and put together a whole project combining Hindustani music classical music and jazz in a 20-minute concerto for saxophone and Bansuri flute with tabla strings and uh anyway, so uh, and I just kind of I think it's because of my background that I dive into these and I'm like
0: let's just do it come on yeah. let's
1: have fun let's let's, let's go let's go
0: <laughs> yeah for sure so what was the first live jazz show you saw with your own eyes that blew you away
1: Oh man, that's a great question. I am not sure. You know what? If it was probably, you know, because because I, I didn't grow up in a musical family, so we didn't go to a lot of shows. You know, yeah. um, but the one that I was doing a camp in California, and I was like twelve or th- I was thirteen. Yeah, it was our it was my first summer back from Belgium, and it was it was the, it was these you know local local pros from LA teaching up there and I was just like that was so cool and it was a piano trio you know and I was like oh my gosh I really for me the when I I really fell in love when I heard Gordon Goodwin's Big Fat Band yeah you know like that was it and then I heard and then when I got to college I heard Count Basie for the first time I'm like oh I see where it I I I see, and then and then Thad Jones and Stan Kenton and and all my favorite bands, and 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 it blew up from there. But you know, I I live. It had to. I guess it was that camp because then I did the Gordon Goodwin camp when I was like fifteen, and I heard them live, and I was like, yeah. You know? So, yeah.
0: um. Yeah, I, I, I guess I guess that was it. <laughs> yeah, that's connecting the dots. So you know, you have your hands in a lot of things as a professional, from education to writing to performing to recording. But what do you look forward to the most? What is it that you like the best about being a professional musician? Whoa, another great question. Um,
1: you know, I I think it it, it ties back to what I was saying earlier. I love I love the collaboration. You know, this this Indian project that I recently did, that was a big feather. Yeah, and that was like a really great time, a beautiful moment. Um, I love it when someone comes up to me and says, Hey, what if you want to try this? Yeah, of course I do. Come on. I, I, I do love my teaching. I love my students. I find a, a different, jo- I find a real joy in my students. Um, and when the light bulbs go off um my 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 favorite thing is to band lead and conduct and uh you know i I have a band that i lead in in denver um then we do and we do like five or six concerts a a year and it's a great season and everything i i I, it's hard to it's hard to nail it down but i think the collaborative the collaborative uh writing projects and then bringing those to life
0: so obviously, as an educator, you're you're passing this this very bright jazz flame on the history and the meaning of it on to the next generation. So I'm curious. You had mentioned John Clayton. You've been around a lot of veterans and esteemed players over the years. What have you gleaned from these masters that you, in turn, try to give to the students? Well,
1: I as a as a chameleon, <laughs> I I just, I just try to quote them as much as possible. I'm I am just the conduit. You know, I'm not. I'm not the source of information. I'm just. I'm just trying to pass it along. You know, and and so, um, uh, what do what do I? I, I like to in, in in my composition private lessons. I believe it's a it's a balance of what I want them to get. In a particular moment, it's like, oh, we're looking at these bassy voicings. Oh, we're looking at the rhythms of, of Thad Jones. Oh, we're looking at whatever. But then it also has to be student-led. So like a 50-50 approach is what I, like, I can't make them do anything. They have to come and continue and f- keep feeding the meter, you know, and um, Couple, uh, a couple, a couple, uh, a couple, a couple of things that co- just come to mind right away. One is I always try to tell the student, like a lot, especially the really talented students will try to go for something that they're not ready for. And something that John Clayton always says is write for the level that you're at. And or or do the project at the level. Don't don't try to do a, a Chris Potter transcription if you haven't checked out uh, 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 Chet Baker yet. Yeah. You know, Um I think it's 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 like I see myself more as a guide than like a teacher. It's like, hey, try this, yeah, try this, try that, and the, and that's what and the, which was John Clayton's approach. It wasn't like, no, you got to do this, 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 this. It's like, no, because every student's different and every student's background is different and their strengths are different, and so you want to support. It's 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 incredibly individual. It's 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 very much an apprentice. I take an apprentice mentality rather than that of like a teacher you know what i mean um and and what my and and what john and rich did for me was give me opportunities as a grad student and so when i was ready for it they would say hey drew i'm too busy for this why don't you take this assignment yeah you know and then we would work on it together and it's it's you know it's it's like the 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 master clay maker and and hey i need you to make this vase oh no try this try you know and so they're doing it through me but i'm getting to do it myself with my hands and so i get to and i do that for my students now um and it, it, that's that's the joy of that's the joy of it really i guess the, i don't know if that answers your question
0: yeah it does totally does okay. nails it so why do you love jazz
1: um it's well uh, i mean to get back to that it's joy first of all it's a it's a it's a joyful music it's a the right it, it came out of uh you know difficult circumstances particularly for our, our uh, uh, black brothers and sisters who were coming out of just a lot of different problems when the music was coming around. And yet it's, it's a joy despite that, you know, like the blues is uh, a lament, but it's also a cry, it's, but it's also a, a joyful, you know, it, it's, it's so nuanced. So I think I felt that in the rhythm. And the harmony and the melody, it always moved. It always moved me as a kid. Uh, I also love classical music. You know, I, I w- when I was ten or whatever, I would conduct a Beethoven along with the recording or whatever. But um, no, the dance, the dance of the the dance of the ride, symbol the um, beautiful melodies and harmonies. I'm a lar- I'm a sucker for large ensemble music. Yeah. I love the. It's not a feeling of power. It's a powerful feeling. You yeah. know, just the, the impact of of uh, all the big band just slamming you in the chest. God, that's just that's one of the that's uh, makes you feel alive. Yeah, and uh, I think that's probably just the and then explore and then from there exploring the nuances. Yeah, you know, you ever get fission? which free or frission when it's uh it's like a musical orgasm you know oh, yeah. yeah 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 that's i chase that man yeah i chase yeah, that yeah. when i write and i chase it when i listen oh. Oh, yeah. it's good. Come yeah. and uh and so when i when i try i you know like that's just uh and it doesn't always have to come from loud stuff but it often does right and uh and that's just a that's a that's a that's a high we try to that's i that i try to chase
0: oh yeah for sure so yeah. if we get off the phone and a. Uh, time machine pulls up in front of your house and you can go anywhere in the history of jazz and see one performance where are you going
1: Think. oh man that's really tough it's right now it's between two i'm really caught between uh thad jones uh first night at the village vanguard yeah uh the the first monday night yeah Oh my gosh, what an electric, what what a vibe that would have been. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, I would really have loved to have seen the first sacred concert by Duke Ellington. Yeah. Um, Cause that music holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, and I, I've performed some of that music and just to, oh man, I would have loved to have heard Duke do this with the choir and the, and this band and, um,
0: that would, yeah. be, that would be phenomenal. So, at the end of the day, everyone has a perception of you—family, friends, fans, students—but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> we're going right in. I that, love this. It. Is this is the therapy <laughs> section? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Good.
1: I good thing I go to therapy. <laughs> um. Well, I'm just gonna lay it all out there. Uh, as long as I have the platform, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, I, uh, in in my faith tradition, I believe I'm uh, first and foremost a a lover, and so like I love my God, and that inspires everything to love around me, and so that comes first. Second comes my family, so my wife and my little two year old baby, um, and then everyone else. And so that's like, that's my primary purpose in life is to love. Um, And imperfectly, you know, certainly not perfect. And no one, no one can do it perfectly. But uh, that's like my primary thing. And then after that, and, and music is an extension of that, you know, music is, is a way that I try to love people, whether it's through my leadership or teaching, or the sharing of this music of, of, of reunion, you know, that's, it's, it's a sharing of love, ultimately. And that, that sounds really high and philosophical. Um, and when we get into the nitty gritty of life, it's hard to operate <laughs> with that kind of ideal. But at the, either in the morning, some mornings, not all mornings, when I'm meditating or praying and, and thinking about it, like that's, I, I center myself on that and say that is my ultimate goal is to love. And so, if people know me as a lover, then that's, at the end of the day that's the most important.
0: Great answer. So, if anyone wants to pick up reunion, learn more about you, live shows, anything about your world, where should they go?
1: Well, uh Instagram would probably be the best place, but uh the album comes out November 10th. Um and it'll be available on all the streaming services and everything. A few weeks after that it'll be on Bandcamp um and uh this a single is out right now the pink floyd track money (laughs) as dearranged by me um and uh but yeah instagram or website would probably be the best place to go and get information you youtube as well youtube as well
0: right on man drew this has been wonderful thank you for your story thank you for taking a minute out to talk about the journey i appreciate it
1: Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for your time, Joe. Appreciate you.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Colorado, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Drew for his time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.